to the Soulful Eclectic. I'm here today with uh, my sister, my friend, my my girl of girls, right? Um, Shayna Godine. Uh, you guys met her when we unveiled the mask of her book early on in the episode. So I just brought her back uh, in light of domestic violence month of October and highlighting that part of her life uh, that part of her journey as she is continuing to soar onto great prosperous things out here in this world, you know, different platforms, putting herself out there in this most authentic way that she can and know how, just being transparent about her life and her journey and her constant uh, way that she's walking in her path to her continued authentic self, you know, there's no other way to put that. So thank you, Shana, for coming back. I appreciate you for that. <laughs> thank you for having me as always. Absolutely. Wouldn't change that for the world. Um, you know, we, we always say we got each other's back, right? So correct. That, and that, that stands uh, tried and true all the way through. Right. So, um, we've been through some stuff in our lives, right? Um, both of us on different levels with the partners, loved ones, domestic violence, the whole, the whole gambit. Um, so, um, I, I, there's, I don't think there's a part of each other's lives that we have not uncovered. Is that safe to say? <laughs> Yes, that is definitely safe to say. <laughs> um, so um, pretty much, you know, just if you, you share what's on your heart to share about your experience with domestic violence and how you continue to rise above it. And uh, I say continue because getting through domestic violence or any violent act towards a person is a constant journey that you're working, working on, you know, and no one can say I'm totally recovered or nothing. It, it doesn't bother me anymore because on some level it does and it will. So it's a constant work, right? Um, right. That we're doing to keep ourselves afloat, to keep ourselves being that authentic self and to keep us from, experiencing that all over again right that is definitely so true yeah so so share open what what do you want to let us know and um, bring out to the people that may be also in that same space I definitely gonna say it, it was a it was a struggle at first because the very first time it happened, I was absolutely shocked and didn't expect to even be going through that. Uh, it had to been about two thousand and had been about two thousand and eleven. I was pregnant with my second kid, and I actually got thrown against a cabinet and was getting strangled by my kid's father while I was seven months pregnant. And it was just like, wow, I wasn't even worried about myself. I was more worried about the life that was in my stomach, mm -hmm. you know, and that, and that's just crazy because it's like, you, you actually got 
intimate with somebody and they're actually the ones that causing you stress during pregnancy and actually harming you and the kids because if you strangled me long enough, I would have been dead and then your baby probably wouldn't survive. Absolutely. So, so went through that process and, you know, crazy me, I did take him back because I was blinded by love, still trying to keep my family together. Oh, you know, I was one of those, I don't want multiple baby fathers and I want my kids by the same dad and older, et cetera. And uh, I got back to him, but next thing you know about, what, 2012, that May, it happened again. Mm. And this time I was actually holding my daughter in my hand and I was standing up in my living room and it all happened because of, he didn't like a remark I said, and he wasn't happy with the answer. I told him he couldn't drive my car. Mm-hmm. So he was upset because he told me I was selfish. And I said, I'm not selfish. I'm paying for everything. It belongs to me. So me being selfish is that I was taking something that didn't belong to me and then acting like it's mine. Right. So he decided to strangle me once again. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much remember trying to make sure that my daughter don't hit the floor. And I honestly remember falling to the floor as he was strangling me. And I cuffed my daughter to lay on my chest. Right. And when I got up, I was determined that, you know what, he had to get out of my presence. So moving on, I ended that relationship. But I didn't go to therapy or anything at that moment. I tried to heal myself. And as I went through the cycle and through the different forms of, all right, I think I'm better now, I decided to get into another relationship. Uh, this had to have been about 2014. And getting in this relationship it was kind of crazy. It wasn't even a guy. It was in a relationship with a female at this point in time. And you would think that, okay, maybe it's going to be better. But what's crazy is it started again, but actually it was worse. Mm. And what's crazy is that he was actually dealing with paranoid schizophrenia, and I didn't even know this until three years in. Wow. Whereas, like, this whole thing, this whole new person came out because is like you could see the demon that was inside of her. Like you could see the face change when certain things were happening. Mm-hmm. I remember one night waking up and she was on top of me choking me in my sleep. So if I didn't wake up, my thing was, would you, you know, would I have had, would I have had died? Would I even be here now? And I remember another situation to whereas I'm trying to leave the house and I got dragged upstairs by my hair because I was trying to leave my house after an argument. I remember times of, you know, when she was flipping out and saying that the TV was talking to her and the doctors was speaking to her and uh, the people outside is in the radio and everybody's talking about her and everything is our fault and it was my fault that she doesn't have a job and my fault because she's not, you know, talking to her family. Everything was blamed on me and everything was my fault. But then at the same time, she was trying to say that I was, but kept her happy, but I can't be both happy and both the reason why you're flipping. Right. So I had to decide, was my life worth dealing with uh, the abuse or was it better for my kids to be in a different environment? And my goal was to find a different environment for my kids because it just wasn't safe. It wasn't okay. And it wasn't the atmosphere that my kids needed to be in. So January 6, 2017, I remember packing whatever I could, and I didn't even take any clothes for myself. I took old clothes to kids, and I left and went to my kids' grandparents' house. And I left my house because I was still arguing and, you know, having all this domestic violence with 
the girl I was dating. Mm -hmm. And it was just crazy because once I left, it wasn't over. I, I've tried to leave a relationship, but she started stalking me at the same period of time. Wow. So she started popping up everywhere I went. She started, if I went to a meeting, she was across the street. If I came to the doctors, I happened to see her. So it was just weird. And then that sort of causing anxiety, PTSD, paranoia for myself, and just not being comfortable. And that just wasn't fair for me. And at the same time, it's like, you want to live a life like that? And I remember January 27th, I was standing in church. And I just came from the altar. And what's crazy is, she came to church and attacked me. The safest place of all, the, the Lord's house. Wow. She came and was was like, oh, why are you annoying me? Why are you not speaking to me? I was like, if I told you that this relationship is over, then why are you scared? So she decided she wanted to attack me in church. Now, what's crazy is that's the most embarrassing thing is that, is that you you got all these people around and all this is going on. Why? Why embarrass me? But I had to, then I called the cops and got her arrested. And then from there, eventually I had to get arrested again because she's still calling my phone. She's still stalking me. She's still trying to pop up everywhere I go. It was time she even tried to come through my window. So I just like this is not safe something's not right and this is not the life i'm trying to live forever i shouldn't have to be running forever so eventually she got arrested and i moved i got moved to a safer apartment mm -hmm. and so i switched my apartment my car and my phone number and it was just crazy so from there i had to then figure out all right you know why do you keep running into these types of relationships what's going on so then i decided to go to therapy and I went to therapy, too. not because of the fact that I was going through domestic violence, but I went to therapy because I needed to figure out in my own circle of peace, why am I still inviting these negativities into my life? Right. right. So I went to therapy and, you know, I worked on me. Mm -hmm. And I had to understand what was going on with me to where I was allowing to settle for certain things. Why I was sitting there taking and allowing certain things in my life that I didn't need. Why was I subjecting myself and definitely my kids to certain situations and I had to take ownership to the part that I played in it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am a victim, but I played a part in it too because I accepted it and mm -hmm. I allowed it around me. So from there, that's when I just had to gain my power back become the beautiful butterfly that I am now mm -hmm. and the many hats that I wear of a podcast host, being an author, being a big advocate for domestic violence, speaking out for the people that can't speak for themselves. You know, that is that right there is powerful. But, you know, looking at the black community, do you think you you never you didn't get the therapy the first time around because of the stigma that um follows it that you know what happens in our house stays in our house kind of thing you know we all grew up with that saying right um we don't yeah. let the outside know what's going on 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 the inside and I think we spoke about this a little bit yesterday but um do you think that plays a part in why it took you so long to seek the help yeah I think that played a part because it's like you know I used to like a lot of times what happens in your house stay in your house and then on top of it I wasn't ready for judgment. I wasn't ready for the conversation to actually understand me. I think I just wasn't ready to look myself in the mirror. And I think the second time around, I was ready. I was prepared for whatever was coming out. 
because you had enough. It was you you were you were at that um, how we tell alcoholics you don't you you at that rock bottom. Yes. Right. You hit that yes. rock bottom and you looked at yourself and said, I can't. You looked at your babies, right? Yes, and said they deserve better. Mm-hmm. And you don't want them to, to grow up watching that, seeing that, because then they think that's what relationships is supposed to be about. So it creates that cycle. Which is so Right? It creates yeah, a cycle all over. It increased the cycle because the two people that I actually had domestic violence issues with, they both seen their parents go through it. So yes, it has been created. It does create a cycle. And I was determined to cut the cycle for my kids. Mm-hmm. So now with um, their father, right? He lived in the life of domestic violence, right? Um, do you still have contact with him? Do the girls still have contact with him? What I do is they talk to him through their grandmother. I don't, I've had to cut myself off. I've tried to do the uh, co-parenting thing Mm -hmm. after five years of not speaking to him. And I just feel he doesn't change and still tries to control himself. To just eliminate that whole circle of not interrupting my peace. Mm -hmm. They talk to them through their grandmother. And that if he doesn't contact his grandmother or go see them while they're over there, then he just doesn't see them. Gotcha. Now, do you, um, do you plan on, at some point, have the girls been in therapy? I mean, because I'm, I'm assuming they have yes, maybe they have. witnessed some of the abuse on some level. and Or, or at least not even witnessed, but maybe even heard it, you know? So, um, yep. Have you sought therapy for the girls as well? Yeah, the kids I sought therapy for, and I still take them to therapy here and there, just you know, that check up, see how their mentals are, let them get to talk, whatever they need to talk out. Mm -hmm. Give them that free range to speak out how they feel. So where are you now where it is with, you know, you're doing great things, um, rebuilding you, um, are you in that space yet to allow love back in, try again? Because, you know, it is difficult with all the hurt that you have had, um, to allow that another person back in. I am at that time to allow it. It's just, I'm very cautious about a lot of things. And as soon as I see a similarity to a sign of something, I don't even, I'm good. I cancel it. I end it. And I don't even deal with it. Are you open about your past abuse in the relationship? Yes. Okay. I am. Because that way they know that there's things that might trigger or even there's times that I might fight in my sleep or the trauma that still, you know, is around. Like it's a healing process. It doesn't go away and it's not overnight that it's going to happen to where it's, oh, she's just never going to deal with this ever again because of certain stuff that's still triggering me here and there. And I still see my therapist. I still do my, you know, my meditation and my yoga and all these different things and all the different tools that I've been given to my therapist and stuff. So I do tell people when I start getting more involved with them mm-hmm. that I've dealt with domestic violence and what are some of my triggers so that they know and understand 
why I am who I am and why I react the way I react. Oh, that is so important um, that everyone is on the same page as far as communication and understanding that because so often uh, you find uh, women and men don't share that part of them and they can't have viable relationships because they're carrying those same that same baggage to each relationship yeah. and, and putting those labels on that new person. But they didn't, in my opinion, they didn't give that person an honest, a, a fair shot because they didn't give them all the information about them either. Yeah, definitely. Right. So, um, yeah, that, that plays a, a huge piece in it. So there's one thing that I actually thought of the other day, um, just talking with Danny and things like that, because you, like you, I, I'm you know a victim of domestic violence as well. So we talked about the triggers and things like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he triggered something, but um, I didn't say anything. I went and uh-huh. I, I journal, right? Um, not not often, not as often as I should, um, because I have, of course, you know, life happens. You get busy and yeah. it just takes it away. But something um, came to me, and I'm, I share this with you. It was um, just I stood in the kitchen. And I says, "What do you do when you've given?" all you've got to the wrong people and now the right person is in your life and you have nothing left to give. Mm, that's deep. Right? Cause that's yeah, how that's I, deep. That's how I felt. Cause I stood there and just in that short amount of time, every relationship that was that I felt was of value at that time um, was played just really quickly, you know, that little snapshot viewmaster kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I'm like, I have nothing left to give. I'm so worn and so burned out that I'm looking. And I even said to myself, not to Danny, because he would have been, you know, in another place with me, um, yeah. I said, oh, my God, he deserves so much better. Because not uh-huh. not that I'm not, I just, I yeah. just, but I have nothing, I feel I have Absolutely. nothing else to give on that level. Uh-huh. You know, have you ever felt like that? Yeah. Definitely, it, it's you know it's a, it's a moment in time for where you just like listen. I've been like you said, you see the relationships and they flash, and it's like you gave so much for so long, and then like you said, you feel that you don't have nothing to give, and this person deserves to have someone that can give them more, and it, it, it's a, it's a strange space to be in. But then I have to then retract and remember that I went through that process. So I can't feel that I don't have any more to give because evidently God gave me the value of this person to be in my life. So I have to figure out where my other fuel can come from. And that would then help me to love them and give them the love 
that I was probably hiding that I feel that I don't have anymore because we tend to close the doors to certain things mm-hmm. after going through so many things. And it's a locked door back there that you got some love. It's just you're not ready to give it anymore because you done felt that they all been tore up. Right. So you locked that back in the way. You, you, you tucked it away and you just like, I can't do it. I, I don't got it. I don't have it. I don't have to swear for it. Yeah. that That's a good point. Um, because you, you just, you get tired, right? Uh-huh. You're just tired. Yep. Wow. I, I thought about that. And when you were talking, I was like, wow, yeah. We just pour everything into the wrong people. Yeah. And then it's like the people that should be getting it. It's just like, um, yeah. Yeah. What about me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, I'm trying to give it to you. And it's like, you know, you in your head is like, what else can I give you? I'm, I'm giving you all I can right now. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, I definitely understand it. It's, it's powerful. It just, it just, it was really one of those things that just smacks you. Like, that's what it is. Wow. So in that, how do you communicate that? to that other person you know you're there you're in this relationship it's like uh, what do you what do you say to your significant other at that point um when you have that uh emotion that moment that moment <laughs> yes that, emotion. That, that emotional moment the advice <laughs> <laughs> the best advice that i can say if it was me and i had to communicate at that moment and i only can talk for me and then from there you know people can just figure out on their own from where their own words will come from but for me i would literally have to have a book and just be like listen at this moment emotionally i feel that i don't have any more to give you like mm-hmm. i feel that i've been given enough and i'm still trying to pick up the pieces from everything else that i've been hurt from mm-hmm. because Every day is still a process of picking up the pieces because you're not fully broken, but you still have pieces that are broken. Why you still feel that you don't have anything else to give? Because once you really heal yourself and you are not surviving anymore, you're actually living, you then will feel that it's nothing broken anymore. So you will find that joy. You'll find that happiness. So you, you know, more or less just tell your partner, and especially if you're married and somebody that you love with your dear heart, you just need them to understand at that very moment, mm-hmm. you feel that you don't have anything else to give. It's not that you don't love them. It's not that you don't care for them. It's not that you don't want to be with them. Just at that very moment, you don't have the strength to give anything else. You feel that you've given it all at that moment. That's that emotion you feel at that very moment. And nobody can knock you for that emotion because that's how you feel. You have just have to communicate that at that very moment. And why do you feel that you gotta you gotta let that you know partner know why you feel that way? Mm-hmm. What triggered it? What trickled it down? And what made you feel that way? Wow. Because what's gonna happen is and that and that that person is there to be with you forever. They will understand that what. All they need to do at this point is nothing. It's nothing against them. 
It's just they need to be patient with what you're building at this moment. Because your stuck moment of not having any more emotions is where now you have to heal just to have it to more, to then regain more love to give your partner. So whatever is blocking that barrier of your stuckness, mm-hmm. you just have to figure it out of what keeps you stagnant at but where I can't and I don't have any more to get. Yeah, that's powerful. That's, yeah. <laughs> what do you say to that? <laughs> right? Um, I think that's uh, that's definitely a helpful um, piece to take away from that because um, it's hard, you know, building new relationships after you've been broken down so many times by others, right? So um, it is. It's very hard. So how much time did you spend with yourself? Because I always tell people when you get out of relationships, you should spend that some of that time getting to know yourself, dating yourself, being with yourself. Um, and honestly, I did not give myself that time before marrying Danny and getting with Danny. I actually went from being with the crazy person (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Uh and then finding solace and peace in Danny. Mm -hmm. So I never really got to fix a lot of the other broken pieces. So when I, when I think, yeah. No, no, go ahead. Um, I thought of something just then when I think about that, when I say, you know, he's my solace, he's my peace. You, I don't know if you've ever seen mm-hmm. the Japanese pottery, um, Kintsugi. It's the, it's Japanese pottery that they put back together, but it's put back together with gold. And I think I've seen it. It's, uh, it's called golden joinery. Um, and I'll look that up. It's absolutely gorgeous. So it's pottery that's been broken and they seal it and put the pieces back together and it's got gold uh, pieces. You can do gold or silver with whichever one to mend it back Mm -hmm. together. Um, But it makes it unique and beautiful, much more beautiful than it started. Right? So when you, when you said that, I was like, and I said, you know, Danny was my solace and my peace. That's what it came to me because he was that, that golden lacquer that put me that back. Bond you back exactly. Exactly. Well, with me, uh, after the very last incident with the stalking and the anxiety and all that, I didn't get back into a relationship. It had to have been about two, three years later. Mm-hmm. Because even through my process, I still were speaking to people. But I just could tell that they weren't right and I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. You know, it just was a lot of things were triggering me. So, yeah, I did date myself. I started going to concerts by myself, movies by myself. I started going to dinner by myself. Like, I remember one uh, Valentine's Day, I literally cooked my own meal, bought my own flowers, bought me my own gift. <laughs> and I think about myself. I had to because I felt that I've, it, you know, after going to therapy, I literally had to, you know, 
take that stand in the mirror. And this is why I can tell people, like, you know, you have to stand in the mirror. You have to forgive yourself for a lot of things you allowed in your life. And you're not forgiving yourself for other people. You're forgiving them yourself for your own peace. And once you forgive yourself for your own peace and start burying the old you, you become a better version of yourself. Because you learn to love all the imperfections, the flaws that you didn't like about yourself, the things that you, you know, certain stuff that you don't like, like me. Do I have a smart mouth? Yes. Can I be fiery and have a sassy mess? Yes. But, you know, I've learned to tone it down a little bit, too, because everybody you don't have to be sassy with. And, you know, I've just learned to just give the proper energy to the proper people. Mm-hmm. Because I, I was told a few times, like, oh, I wasn't the one to hurt you, or oh, it's not my fault. And, you know, sometimes when you don't date yourself and love on yourself, you give that energy to people that didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn that I, you know, I, you know, I can't be mad at all men or all women, or I can't be mad at everybody for this moment, or you know what I'm saying. I just had to learn that okay, it wasn't them, and they didn't deserve that. So I have to direct that energy to who it goes to. And actually, loving myself got me to the point where I'm now to be able to tell you about your mask and how to break it down and the insecurities and the imperfections and all of those things and the baggage that we carry into other relationships, like the insecurity and the trust issues were huge. I didn't trust people. I had insecurities about people because of the things that from past relationships I was still carrying because, oh, well, that person did this. So that person, if they do a slightly thing as that factor, that means they just like that person. But I had to learn to give everybody their own stack of cards. And when they're dealing them, if they don't be right, they ain't right. But if they deal the right cards, then that's, what they dealt I can't put the same uh, stigma on everybody from my past relationship and I had to learn that that's a hard lesson to learn um, and it's great that you're still I mean I'm still I'm sure there's still parts of it that you're still learning but um, you know it's great that you you've you've gotten to that point Um to love yourself again, you know, because I always say you can't go out there and love somebody else until you love you. All right. Because right. if you're not loving you, how you want them to love you? Right. I think that's wow. And now you are a life coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um. I'm just going to segue into that. You're a life coach. And um, I am. Because um, that was just some powerful stuff you done laid down there, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like sitting here rethinking my life right now. Like, man, what the hell? And, <laughs> and you know, that's kind of what happens when you, you know, soon as, you know, when you entwine with the Sheena Master Motivation. Mm-hmm. Because I tend to break down pieces of different things to then help you rethink some certain things. And it's not a bad thing. It's just to restructure a few things so you can understand a few things about yourself. Right, right. Because yeah. a lot of times we don't take the, like we're, we're all ready to cater to everybody else and help them fix them. Mm-hmm. But we're our worst person when it comes to fixing ourselves. Amen to that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I'm I'm all in to fix the world. You talk about me. I'm like, no, yep. I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need yep. anything. 
<laughs> what you need though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You know, um, and that's what happens. We're so used to catering to others, whereas we forget to do the one thing and the one person that needs to be catered ourselves. And once we start catering on ourselves, we'll become better at catering on ourselves. We will block out that time that is for just us. You know, how how we, you know, one thing I did have to learn that self-care and being, self, you know, selfish about my time no, isn't a bad thing. It's self-care. And nobody can make, you know... You know, not letting anybody make me feel bad for it. Right. And that's self-care. I always say it's not selfish. It's self-care, self-love, because I have to be able to take care of myself first. And that's where I fall short on that, as you saw earlier when Danny brought me my my shake. Because (laughs) I'm so into doing all the other things that I have to do, and that's on my mind to do, that I Mm. put me again on the back burner. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you, sister to sister, you're going to have to stop doing that because you're going to burn yourself out. Because like me, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of times um, I used to, you know, drive here, make sure this person's family got food, check on this person, and I keep forgetting to check on me. And then that's when you start getting, feeling a certain kind of way, like you might, feel depressed or you might be sad about something that popped up but once you start loving on you you're not looking for the love from nowhere else except yourself and then if the love is added from somewhere else it's fine Mm. but you've already loved on you so you're not lacking on it yeah and that's why I started running right um someone asked me why did I start running was I trying to lose weight or um, I was like, no, it, it was my peace. That's where I find myself. That's where I, I think I just run until I get tired or that I feel like, all right, it's, it's really time for you to get back in. <laughs> You've been out here a while. It's hot in Arizona. Okay. <laughs> Listen, the sun beat down on you. I ran the other day and when I stopped running, I took a picture of myself. I, I look like, um, I'm going to don't laugh at me. Antoine, the crackhead from Living Color. Oh, wait. When, when he had all the white ashen around his face. And, and oh, but that, no. that that's how hard I ran. It was all the salt coming from my yeah, body. body. And um, from sweating. And I, and I just stopped and I said, what the hell was on my mind that I was running so hard? And I was like, it's, it's, it's mind clearing. And I still don't know what, mm-hmm. what, what I was thinking about. I, it's probably all the things that I'm trying to do and where I want to be in life. Um, yeah. But I say that to say, because I, I do recognize that I don't take time for myself the way I should, because I, I feel guilty because I've been called selfish in past relationships because I did things for myself, um, because I did things for my children. <laughs> um, so um, it's hard. And definitely. Uh, yeah. And then I find I'm going to drop, hmm? drop you a joke because you're going you're gonna to stop being. Because let me tell you what you do. And you, the time that you take to run, 
I also want you to take time out to even if it's just go sit and get you a cup of tea and just sit in silence or sit with some music. Just take that two seconds, even if it's a minute. Because then you're going to erase all those times when you felt that somebody was telling you that you were selfish or telling you that you shouldn't have did that because you was doing it for your kids. Because when you start erasing all of that, then you'll start giving yourself that time that you're supposed to get. You know what's funny, sis? I did that the other yesterday. Um, and I I didn't run. I, I actually worked out later than I, I probably should have, but um, it was all good. Um, but I sat outside on a, on a back patio. It was nice and cool. And I just sat there and watching. We have a hummingbird feeder. Um, yeah. So I sat there and I watched the hummingbirds and I just sat there and did that whole meditation, cleared my mind kind of thing. And I didn't even think about work. I didn't think about the podcast. I didn't think about auditioning. I didn't think about anything. I was just sitting there just being one with myself and being mindful yeah. in that moment. Right. Cause that's a piece of it. You have to be mindful in that moment. And, um, yeah, mindful, thoughts. mindful thoughts. Yes. And, um, I was just, just sat there. So when you say that, I was like, yeah, I just did that. That was pretty cool. You thought about it. You said that. I just did that yesterday. Um, and then I went and worked out after that, um, which was really good because, you know, you got that, that rebuild again, right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I started my day, like, later than usual because my days usually start at, like, 5. Um, but lord it well in the fall it doesn't because it's dark and it's hard for me to get up yeah so I, I just lay there gotcha. um but I'm, <laughs> I, I'm still up at five uh but it's just that uh, yeah it's, it's a constant journey right yeah sometimes we gotta just unplug and i tell a lot of people that once you unplug for a little while it, it, it's a big difference like you know how we're so you know we, you know, we work, like you said, women of many hats, mm-hmm. and we're always podcast work. You know, sometimes we have to unplug from everything and everybody, and then we energize yourself. Because if you're pouring too much out and never pouring none in, then you're going to be exhausted. Yeah. It's funny. I tell people that, but I can't practice that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, that's it. I'm going to start sending you texts. Go take five minutes. <laughs> I tell people all that great stuff, but um, mm-hmm. I'm the last one to practice it. It's horrible. That's how it's it happens. Horrible. I have all, that's you know, but it's good. It's good. It, but that's why we have um, sister checks, right? Check in. Yes, accountability partners and all the above. Yeah. Take that time. Take that time. Yes. Awesome. Well, thanks for talking with me. I always love talking to you. <laughs> I don't know. You know, we go way back since, you know, uh, the Taylors. Yeah. You know, chit chat on the ride. <laughs> we were two project chicks. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> uh, and look at us now. <laughs> I know, right? That was when you was first going to medical. Yeah, right? It was like in the way beginning. 
Um, and I was working at Price Mm-hmm. How's that? What's that rap song? Started from the bottom, now we're here. Bottom, now we're here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> I'm going to end the interview. But um, definitely, we will definitely be chiming in again because, like I said, you are doing some great things and you'll probably be out. We'll figure something out. But um, I know that on some level, we're going to be doing um, like a series co-host or something at some point. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, So definitely keep that in your uh, radar. But we're going to just keep doing what we do and sharing our, you know, our beautiful authentic selves with the world and hopefully something that, you know, we said during our conversation resonates with someone and can help someone else, you know, even um, if it's just one person, right? Because we're not doing this truly to help the masses. We're doing it to find that one or two person that really needs it and needs to hear it so um it'll speak to that person so thank you thank you for coming on thank you for coming for having me absolutely great conversation i had with a beautiful soul a soul that has been a part of my life for many years and will continue on um as my sister my friend and you know um as we head into celebrating our lives as victims of domestic violence, showing our strength in our voices and also showing how we can rise above adversity. We could rise above the hurt and the pain and there is still life love left within us to share, to give to someone else. So in that, um, I'm going to say thank you all for joining me. And in the next few interviews, I'll be joined with my co-host, Ona Mills, as we talk to more women who are building and on a foundation that was shaky due to hurt and pain. And now they have rebuilt even stronger and more powerful and their voices are strong and we are showing what warriors we can be. So um, if you haven't already, please subscribe, uh, like if you like it, uh, definitely rate us. And uh, if you have questions and or concerns or you need um, some, if we've opened up some wounds, some triggers, definitely reach out. We have some counselors that um, are willing to talk and um, help us through as we go through and rebuild to shine light on our authentic self. So um, you can find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and also iHeartRadio. And also you can send me an email, dc at thesoulfuleclectic.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Soulful Eclectic with DC. And I'm also on Instagram, thesoulfuleclectic.com. Oh, excuse me, not .com, but thesoulfuleclectic. All right, guys, thank you so much. And um, I look forward to definitely talking to you again.
Peace.